What's up, beautiful people, and welcome back to another episode of Mother Knows Best. So continuing on from uh, last week, we're going to move kind of along to the next segment of, you know, I guess the road to depression, if you will. So that would be my first job here in Miss Chicago. And that was through Aramark and Advocate Lutheran General out in Park Ridge, Illinois. Yeah, I gave you out a whole hospital situation. Not throwing anybody in the shade, not doing any of that. But just so you know exactly where the location is and, you know, whatnot. So um, I started there June 14th, 2014. Had just moved to Chicago, as y'all know, and was in Hyde Park. That's where we had moved to. We had moved to Hyde Park. And for those who don't know the city of Chicago, Hyde Park is is part of the south side of the city. So it's not the deep south, but it's right past downtown Bronzeville and all that. So driving from Hyde Park out to Park Ridge, just moving to the city, depending upon uh, GPS to get there. It was an hour drive in and well over an hour and a half, sometimes two hours on the way home. Uh, just to give you an idea of what I was dealing with as far as traffic and, you know, life first starting out here. So um have been in Chicago. We had moved here June 1st. So had two weeks, you know, trying to get stable and figuring out life and, you know, exploring the city and learning and trying to find barbers and stuff like that. And had not necessarily heard of what time I needed to be there. And part of the issue was there were two district managers, one for the food service side and one for the environmental services side. So environmental services is people who clean the rooms, clean the floor, stuff like that. And then the food service side are obviously people who take the food up to patients as well as cook the food, do any prep work and stuff like that. So the first email that I had got came from Mike, which was the uh, district manager over EVS. And he had told me, you know, oh, you'll get an email later on to let you know what time you need to be there, yada, yada, yada. So here it is. I'm supposed to be starting Monday, you know, and it's like Thursday, Friday, the week before. And I still have no email from anybody. So I email Mike as well as Nicole, who was the other district manager over the food side. And like, you know, hey, um, is there a set time that I need to be there? Are there instructions? You know, what what do I need to you know be ready for? So. Nicole emails back and was like, oh, yeah, Brandon, so sorry. You know, you'll be with Chris and be here at this time and meet at this place, this location. You know, gave me all the details. So I'm like, okay, cool. Printed that out. I'm ready. I got, you know, clothes out. I'm ready for Monday. So Monday comes. I get up. I drive out. I follow all the instructions of where to park and get into the job, get my badge done with security. And go to the location they told me to go to and Chris isn't there. I have no idea who Chris is, male, female, nothing, right? So I get found a few minutes later, probably about 15, 20 minutes after I was supposed to be there at the location. And another guy finds me, his name is Trent. Trent is the director over environmental services. And is like, oh, well, you know, Chris is going through some things. She will, you know, come down and get you later. So you'll be down here in EVS with me and the other A2L. So I meet the other A2L. Her name was Atoya. Very sweet girl. Uh, absolutely made the entire program bearable because I had somebody else going through it with me. So 
uh, Trent starts showing us around. He's, you know, introducing us to people and really like very welcoming, very nice guy and was probably the only person I really had in the entire account that I felt I could go to and he would get things done and handled. So day one was just walking around, right? And then we start asking questions like, you know, oh, well, what staff will we be over? And, you know, what will we be responsible for? Because part of the uh, program with Airmark, um, it's called the Accelerated to Leadership Program. And what it does is it brings people fresh out of college and puts them into real world situations. You're supposed to have your own staff. You're supposed to be responsible for, you know, KPIs, key performance indicators, all this jazz. So you can really get firsthand experience of how to manage inside of the organization side of Airmark. Well, because we have been fresh college grads and the client at that account was who he was, didn't want Latoya or I doing anything with anybody. He wanted us just to shadow, to not be heard, not to have a voice, to nothing. We were just to be there and watch. And that really shook us both because we're like, well, that's not what we were promised and not what we were told. And we just kind of went with it. You know, now looking back, I would have definitely advocated for myself more, went to HR and was like, you know, this is not what we were promised. This is not what, you know, I signed up for. This was not the contractual agreement. This needs to be changed. This needs to be adjusted. We, you need to get me somewhere where I can actually have my staff and do all the things that I'm supposed to do. And, you know, get the training and the exposure that I'm supposed to get. But we didn't. So we just rode with the punches and weren't allowed to really do anything. So that's all day one and two, right? So get to day three. So it's Wednesday. I finally meet Chris, who is supposed to be my boss, my direct person I directly report to, right? And she's a short, cute little Asian lady. I loved her to death. Like her aesthetic, I absolutely loved. And... But you could tell she was kind of like underhanded. Honey, when I tell you, like, she had this eyeshadow girl. She had this caked on dark eyeshadow trying to do these cat eyes. And I'm not saying that she didn't do them right, but it was like she just had gone over it so much that it was cakey. But beyond that, she was absolutely adorable, but she she was a bitch. And we'll get to that. So I finally meet her and, you know, she's showing me around and meet, uh, introducing me to the rest of the crew, the dietitians, the um, support staff that worked in the call center. She's just showing me around the kitchen. Whole nines, right? And we get to her office and she's like, well, you know, Brandon, what are your goals? Me being me, because back then, fresh out of college, I set my goals very high. I set my dreams and aspirations high. And I looked her dead in the face and said, I want to be in your seat. I want to be in your position. I want to be a director at the end of this year. Little did I know that would come back to bite me in the ass so hardcore because she got upset by that. She didn't say anything to me in the moment, but I found out later that she got very upset by that. Why? Beyond me. But she did. So um, we get through that conversation and she's like, well... Um, the client doesn't want you working with the staff, so we'll have to just find things for you to do. Yet again, you know, should have advocated for myself, but young and dumb didn't, right? So 
they hand me a project of going through all of the employee files, getting rid of the files of people that were no longer there, um, getting rid of any old employee information, write-ups, training, stuff like that. Just really refreshing the files and putting them in new file holders and in a new file cabinet. So I was deemed the head of that for literally like a month and a half going through all of these employee files, knowing not a clue of who these people were, hole punching things and just trying to, you know, sort it all out and figure it all out. And with no guidance, mind you, I'm asking like, oh, who are these people? Oh, that's such and such. Okay. But are they still here? Like, are they out there? I haven't met everybody. I don't know names. Like no one's helping me with this. Like what, what's going on here? And I just remember just getting up every morning and just dreading the drive and dreading going in there because I would be stuck in this basement close to the morgue. And here I am, you know, promised I'm supposed to be doing all these great things. And I'm literally filing paperwork. I'm literally doing secretary stuff. Right. And that was the that was the, you know, viewpoint then of like, oh, this is beneath me and this and other. And. It wasn't necessarily beneath me, but that's how it felt because I'm thinking I'm this young professional. I got this stick up my ass because, you know, thanks to good old college in a conservative state. And I'm like, this isn't right. I'm supposed to be doing more. I'm supposed to be doing better things. And, you know, really had this idea of I should have been giving more stuff and people should have trusted me more because that's what this program was about. You know, feeling very entitled and having not a leg to stand on, honey. You know, fresh out the boat, girl, right? Fresh out of college, thinking that I'm supposed to be handed this world of opportunity because that's what was promised to me. And it's like, you know, first exposure of really like, oh, not getting what was promised or, you know, them selling a dream and me buying it and not getting it. But anyway, I digress. So um, after that project, I got selected through headquarters to go help out at the University of Chicago Medical. Luckily, she was on the south side of City Gear, so she could take the bus, okay? She didn't have to drive all that time to get to work. So it was a nice change of pace. And I was working with a, a gentleman named Ray and was helping out with a pricing project. Part of the project was a big remodel for all of the cafeterias at the university. So I was to go around to all the different places that sold food on campus that were nearby, look at the pricing, look at, you know, what was offered and really comparing it to where we stood in the market as far as price and uh, margin. Then after that, the next section was to help build menus and health planning. While in the midst of that, the nursing staff at the University of Chicago Medical goes is preparing for a strike. So I'm here in the middle of all of these meetings about strikes and what we're going to do. They are telling me that I'll be in charge of the call center if they go on strike and, you know, planning all this stuff and the big wigs are there. And, you know, it felt great to be in the middle of all that. But man, looking back, it was so overwhelming. Like, I had no idea what was going on. I didn't know what a strike would look like. All I, only strike I had ever seen, you know, would be on the news. And you're just like, holy hell, I'm in the middle of all this, just trying to figure it out and keep my head above water. Um, 
and learning a whole new campus after, you know, still trying to figure out my hospital. You know, I'm only now at Aramark about three months and trying to figure out a whole new account and, you know, walk around it and not get lost. As well as working with different managers now that, you know, didn't feel they had to answer to someone who was my age. Oh, honey, it was, girl, it was a mess. So finished that project with Ray. And then I go back to my main account. And when I get back to my main account, they have hired someone else to do kind of what I was doing, like, or what I was supposed to go into doing, which was being over the storeroom, over all of our uh, production system records and stuff like that. And they bring him on and then they're like, oh, can you help train him? So you slapped me in the face twice. Now I got to train the person that y'all have hired that I was supposed to start doing and hopefully start getting a staff and doing things that, you know, the program had offered. So yet again, just rode with the punches, waking up at 5 a.m., driving out there, training Toby and stuff like that, and helping out with, you know, being there with him and answering any question that he has and trying to support him and all that. Then in the midst of all that, there was a conference that they wanted to do for all the A2Ls. So I got all of this going on. And then they're like, oh, hey, come out to Philly. And, you know, Kiki with everybody that's in this this uh, program, if you will. Now, I'm not knocking that trip to Philly. One, it was nice to not <laughs> have to go to work for a week and just be up there with people, you know, that were in the same boat as you or experiencing the program as you. I made some really great connections there. Like still to this day, me and my homegirl, Mitria, still talk. And I met her at that conference. You know, we were there to meet with the, you know, VPs that were in our line of work. But we also then were given social time. And Mitria, Brittany, uh, and Latoya and I like all clicked we went out drinking. We went out to the hookah lounge. And like I said, me and Mitria still kick it to this day. Literally was just on the phone with the girl before I jumped on and did this podcast, honey. So, hey, Mitch, how you doing, girl? Love you later. Bye. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so you got to get out of grass, right? Y'all go get a lot of this, so be aware. Um, so get through with the conference of Philly and get back, you know, to the account. I'm there literally a couple of weeks and I'm snatched back to the University of Chicago. So... Here I am being shuffled around everywhere, having no place that felt like home or that was where I could, you know, put my roots down and figure things out because I'm constantly being pulled and plucked and moved and thrown, you know, every which way. So went to University of Chicago Medical, helped out for building menus, then was pulled down to Lafayette, Louisiana to help out with a relaunch, Um, was down there for two weeks in that time frame. You know, James is here trying to figure out life in the city, driving because he now has a job and trying to park and figure things out. And I'm, you know, up in the air everywhere, flying every which way. And at the end of the day, we still ain't got no money, right? I had to borrow money from one of our friends, Tani, who was someone who lived in Ohio and she had moved up to Chicago and we didn't know until we got here. And had to borrow money from her just to literally go to Philly and to down to Louisiana to, you know, be a part of these projects and to be a part of 
these situations because I felt like I needed to. I felt like I couldn't say no. You know, I'm this young professional. I'm trying to make a name for myself. I'm trying to build myself up. I want these people to see and understand that I'm capable of doing anything that they ask of me. And I'm like, you know, desperately showing them like, I'm worthy, please select me to move up the corporate ladder. Like, and little did I know, you know, that's the start of burnout. I'm burning the candle at both ends. I'm doing all these things while also burning myself at home because I don't have the money to be doing this, but yet I'm borrowing money from other people, check cash in places, robbing Peter to pay Paul to literally fly all over the place or to go to different accounts because this is what they're telling me or what they're asking me to do. And I felt that's what I needed to do. So Lafayette was a lot of fun. I would have not traded it for the world, but what it did to my home life is what I would definitely trade. So was there for a week and flew back in because that was part of the arrangement. I told them I needed to fly back home, you know, to be with my partner and to do laundry and stuff like that. So I fly back in uh, uh, Friday night and I, you know, have James there to pick me up and we get home. I cook dinner and you could just tell he was upset. And I'm like, you know, what's going on? And he starts like just going off screaming because he's frustrated you know, I've been flying here and there and he's just been left to figure out the car. They, you know, we had gotten a ticket on the car for uh, not having a city sticker, not having it parked in the right place. You know, so two tickets back to back while, you know, I'm out of town and he's just frustrated and mad. And we're just in a screaming match of frustration with each other. And it totally didn't need to happen. Like that entire argument didn't need to happen, but it happened because. Here we are, two people stressed to all hell, you know, financially, physically, mentally, spiritually, just trying to make it in this new state and trying to figure it out while still trying to understand how we feel in the city and how we get around this city. You know, how do we fit in here? And we got through that weekend i flew back down finished the project down there we got the cafeteria relaunched and opened but you know even down there there was drama because here i was you know hot hell on wheels thinking that i was the bee's knees and knew everything and some of the people weren't necessarily following you know safety standards weren't cooking burgers the way they needed to or weren't serving food for the portion that they were supposed to serve and I felt I, again, needed to prove myself, chest puffed out, you know, stick up my ass. And I wrote a few people up while I was there. One of the ladies quit because here I am, you know, 25, 26, writing her up. And, you know, she's 40 something years old. And I remember leaving there thinking I had proved myself and done all this. And they they just going to have to like me now. Like everybody's going to have to think I'm something. And... Little did I know I was just making myself look like a total asshole. Um, so I fly back in for the second leg of the Louisiana trip. Broke again because while I was there, they uh, didn't have the P card or the pay card that corporate gave. So I had to put my own card down for the deposit and the pay for the room and then ended up having to be reimbursed through the company. So now my credit cards are maxed out. Debit card is on hold for a security deposit. I still need to eat. I still got to get back home. 
you know, and handle stuff when I land there. And it's just this whole hoopla of money issues. And we ain't even made it to Christmas yet. You know what I'm saying? And it just stressed me out to no end, but I dealt with it. I dealt with it all and I pushed on. So I need to backtrack a little bit. So as I mentioned before, right after, you know, I had started there, my first check, they uh, misplaced. Chris was dealing with stuff with her mom and, you know, completely forgot to tell them where my check was. After that, there was issues with direct deposit. And then there was issues with garnishment of wages. So much so, like on the trip coming back from Philly, that's why I said I needed to backtrack. Coming back from Philly, we didn't have enough money for me to put money on a bus card to get from the train station to home or from the, sorry, from the airport to home. So I rode the train into downtown and then had to take the bus the rest of the way. It was cold because Philly had been warm and Chicago had cooled down by the time I had got back. And I had to stand downtown freezing in nothing but a t-shirt because we immediately left after the last conference point. And I'm waiting downtown for James to come get me. And I'm having to talk him through getting downtown the best way I know how and to where to find me. So it's just a whole hell of a lot going on with this company. And, you know, all while getting no recognition while being told that, you know, you're supposed to be getting this, but since you're not, you know, you just have to get creative and, you know, make yourself, you know, important. So you're left literally floundering, trying to figure it all out and handle it all. So we get to the winter and now we have this portion of the program where we rotate accounts. It was a rotation and you went to three different lines of business one month each. Again, we didn't get that. I went to another hospital for a dual project where I was working with both environmental services and food service. And I go to this hospital. The person over EVS is absolutely, you know, fabulous, right? Great person, great personnel. The managers are awesome. But the food service side did not want me around. They did not want anything to do with me. How dare I be coming in here thinking that I'm a go do rounds with their patients and figure out what they're doing wrong and offer them advice. And it was just this uphill battle, honey, of day in and day out, trying to walk around, visit these patients, ask them, you know, how's this going? How's the cleanliness of the room? How's the food? All while trying to help improve scores to save the account and the food service side don't want to hear anything I'm bringing to the table. So I'm typing up reports, I'm putting everything into spreadsheets, I'm listing, you know, where our scores are, I'm pulling all the information, doing all of this busy work. All to yet again have to, you know, figure out <laughs> this new campus. Like, so this is my, what, fourth campus at the time? And we're finally in December, honey. And because the hospital was more north and was right on public transit, you know, I just let James have the car because we only had the one car at the time, mine's. And I just got on the bus. Honey, this is in the middle of the polar vortex, okay? Oh, oh, and not to mention, because everything that was going on at the previous apartment, the radiators not working right, and it being cold as all hell in that apartment, we had to then move. So we moved while I'm in the middle of all of this crap and flying around. 
moved to the current apartment that we're in, left the apartment at Hyde Park, walked completely away from it, in debt with check cashing places, and trying to bring up a second vehicle because James wanted his car and didn't have to want to just depend on my car. So all of this is all thrown around in the salad of dealing with this job. And, you know, so we get to the new place. The new place was closer. So I'm like, I'll just take the train all in the middle of the polar vortex. It's negative 25 out. I'm shuffling and walking through, you know, the world, you know, getting on the train and then walking to the hospital and did that for a month. You know, I got through it. I survived all of it. Obviously, as my mother's sitting here doing this, you know, and just looking back on it, like, man, you, you just never realize how much you face and what you deal with until, you know, you step back and look at it. So was supposed to then go to uh, Navy Pier for a month, but that fell through. So I went back to my home account and ended up staying there for the last two rotations because the first person who came to my account had such a bad experience there that she complained. So they didn't want to send anybody else over. And so I stayed there. I became like a sous chef position, helping out on the PM and making sure the nighttime, you know, had a higher up manager present and, you know, working on the line during the busy time, helping out with breaks with the supervisors and in that time, I started, you know, a shift communication log where everybody was able to type into a Word document what was going on, what was happening with the day, and, you know, pass the information along so everybody was aware of what was happening. The managers would come in in the morning and read and then type anything that happened during their day, and the supervisors would be able to read that and catch up and keep it going. So... Now, after the rotations was part of the internal rotation, because again, it was me and Latoya at this account. So I was supposed to move over to environmental services. I move over to environmental services and literally just everything blew up. I was there for a little bit helping out. I was always late because at this point I'm tired. I don't want to do this rotation. I Trent had left the company. He wanted to, he moved to another location that was offering him a better work-life balance and I'm like, I don't want to work with anybody else. But Trent, that was the only person I really had that was in my corner. So I go down there. It's a new director. He has no idea who I am. I had no idea who he is. And now I'm stuck in the department. And he's like, well, you're going to help out on third shift because that's part of this rotation. Third shift, I'm already crying driving in because I don't want to work third shift. I get in and it's just one manager. It's supposed to be two, but it's just her. I'm trying to help out at the desk. Everybody's running around. I'm trying to help drop the rooms as well as I can and keep up with cleanings. I, apparently, I wasn't doing a good enough job because I didn't know what the heck I was doing and nobody there to train me and teach me. And I upset the charge nurse. So she gets mad and sends down the PM doctor in charge. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get stuff you know, taken care of. I'm trying to get the rooms clean. We're trying to get them flipped as quickly as possible, you know. You know, I'm really sorry. He wasn't satisfied with that answer, wasn't having it, and reported me to the client. The very next day, I was told, oh, you are removed from this account effective immediately and going to Silver Cross Hospital. Silver Cross Hospital is where I spent my last few months with good old Aramark. And when I tell you it was a nightmare, I wish I was lying. 
I walked in there. The account was on final notice where we were getting close to losing the account. The person who was standing in charge was the patient services manager. And and she was the interim director because the previous director had been terminated. The uh, other manager who was like the chef manager, chef de cuisine, was the one thinking that she was going to run the show because she was the only one who knew how to do the bills like the former director did. And every time I tried to offer a change or a suggestion of change, it was, oh, this is how we've always done it. Oh, well, this is how we've always done it. We've always done it this way. It's always been done this way. So, of course, me, I finally get tired of hearing this is how we've always done it. And I start blowing up at people. I'm like, we are about to lose this account. Like, we need to change these things. Nobody wants to listen. They complained. I ended up being severed because I wasn't playing well with them and started going off and telling people about themselves and was severed literally June 15th, 2015. And during the severance meeting is when I found out that Chris had complained to the regional director, Bob Dykema, about me telling her that I wanted to move up within that year. And that is what led me to all of the other traps that plagued me for the whole time at Airmark. And I remember just sitting across from him and waiting to sign the paperwork, the severance paperwork. And I'm just like, so I was doomed all the way from day one. Well, technically day three, but day one of meeting Chris. And I immediately bounced to my next job because, you know, me, oh, I got to survive. I got to, I got to do this. I got to, I got to be great. I got to live up to all the expectations of everybody from college and family and partner. And I literally, it was one year, but within that one year, I had been through so much, both, you know, at the job and outside of it, that you just sit there. I sit here now and I'm just like, girl, you did that. You did it. You, 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 it was rough as hell, but baby, you did it. And, you know, looking back, I would have advocated for myself a hell of a lot more than I did. You know, I would have said no. I would have found my voice early in corporate and said no. No, I'm not doing this. I don't have the money. No, I don't this. I can't. I'm sorry. And wouldn't have thought twice about it. But back then, thinking I didn't have a choice or had a voice in a matter, I just did what I was told. Because from family and from other experiences with a job, when a job tells you jump, you ask how high even though that went against everything that I ever stood for in college. I didn't stand for listening to authority. If you wanted to just tell me to do something, you needed to give me a reason why. You couldn't just tell me go do it and I would be okay with it. But once I got up here to Chicago away from family and now this is my life and I'm, I'm taking charge and I'm doing this right, I fell right into that pit of literally when they said jump asking how high. So... That's the story for this week. And, you know, not to necessarily end it on a bad note or a sour note. Yeah, I did, you know, get severed, but that was a blessing in disguise. It gave me a couple weeks off before I started the next Hell Adventure, which y'all will hear about next week. So thank you for listening. Hopefully, again, that if anybody is listening to this and has experiences or is experiencing currently, this can be a survival guide. As always, I love you all and I will see you next week. Mwah, mwah, mwah.